Last week, just to let you know, um, was Easter, in case you weren't aware that last week was Easter, but it was, and so we had a wonderful Easter service. So obviously on Easter, what do we celebrate? We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which obviously that's what Easter is all about. So one of the things last week, as we looked, as we're walking through First Peter, we saw that because of the resurrection, because that Jesus Christ did not stay in the grave, but because he rose from the grave, you and I have been born again to a living hope. That's what we saw last week, that no matter what you face today or what you'll face tomorrow, because of Jesus Christ and those who are in Jesus Christ, we have a living hope because our King is resurrected, which I would say is a powerful, powerful truth because people in our world are so desperate to find hope and to know this, there is hope today and it's found in Jesus, the resurrected King. And so we saw that last week. So this week, we'll turn our attention, we'll just follow in just the next line And what we're going to see today is that we're going to, again, examine the resurrection. But we're going to see there's something else that we have because the resurrection is it's not just hope, but because the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we also have joy. And so if you take notes this morning, here is kind of the main idea this morning. That is this, that you can have joy no matter what tomorrow brings. That today, no matter what you face today or tomorrow, that because our King is resurrected, you can live in joy, that you can experience the fullness of joy in your own life today. So you should have your Bible turned to 1 Peter. We will look in chapter 1 and we're going to read verses 6 through 8 this morning. Just before I read, just to kind of let you know where we're going, we'll just examine these verses. I want to pose a question at the beginning and talk through that question And then we'll basically look at two kind of points of application at the end and answering that question. So we'll start in verse 6 and Peter says this. In this you rejoice, though for now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him, and you rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So this morning, basically how I want to start off is not necessarily with a point, but I want to start off with a question, and you don't have to answer it out loud. I just want you to think about this question, and it's this. Are you joyful? Are you joyful? So were to look into your life right now, would people look at you and see someone living a joyful life? Would people see joy coming out of your life today? Are you a joyful person? One of the things that we'll see, and this is kind of Peter as he writes in this chapter, is he's speaking really on the whole subject of joy. So before we jump into that, I want to kind of define joy first, and then we'll look at what Peter Uh, has to say about joy. So I want to kind of give you kind of a contrast of what joy is not and what joy is, okay? So first, joy is not happiness. So when we talk about joy, uh, look, to be happy is a wonderful thing, Uh, but joy is not happiness, Uh, meaning this, is that happiness is a sense of well-being that's dependent on circumstances, okay? So I'll just give you an example from my life. Currently, uh, the church, y'all feed me too well, so I've gained a few LBs. And so my, my plan right now is to kind of cut back on my eating, to eat healthy, to start running, to start exercising more. 
And so let me just say this. Today I stepped on the scale, and from yesterday to today I lost a pound. Isn't that awesome? Aren't you proud of me? Thank you. Thank you. And so obviously in that moment I look down at the scale, and immediately the sense of happiness fills my soul. I'm like, awesome. Okay? But here's what I know. Tonight I could have a, a moment of weakness, and I could order Johnny's, go get a burger, go get late night Eskimos, and tomorrow I can step on the scale and it could say you gained two pounds. And then immediately the moment of happiness I had yesterday is now gone because now I've gained pounds. So you see the happiness, that's just kind of a silly example, but that's what happiness does is it's there one day and it's gone the next. Uh, It's dependent on circumstances. Joy is not that. Joy is not dependent on our circumstances. Rather, here's what joy is. Joy is a sense of well-being that is not dependent on circumstances. Then it says joy is this constant, even in the midst of difficult moments, joy is still present. That joy is still there. There's this sense that you still have joy no matter what difficulties, no matter what's happening outside of you, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in. Joy is this constant sense of well-being, and it's not dependent on what's going on around you or what's happening to you. That's, in a sense, what joy is. And so here's exactly what Paul, or excuse me, Peter is saying in this passage that we need to see is that every believer is to live their life filled with joy. There's not a single believer or follower of Jesus that can opt out and says, well, I'm just the exception. I don't have joy or I'm not to live in joy. That's wrong. Every single believer is to live in joy. Look what he says in verse 6. He says this, in this you rejoice. Now what is Peter telling us, the right people he's writing to and to us, what is it we're to rejoice in? Now we need to go back. And look at what he said, and we looked at last week. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So he says, here's the first thing that you should be joyful. Here's what you should rejoice in, is that you have a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because you were saved, because God has saved you, He has caused you to be born again, because you now have a living hope, you should live your life filled with joy. That's what the gospel does. The gospel of Jesus Christ is to cause us to live in joy no matter what we face. Now, it's not just we have a living hope, but as you saw last week, it says that we've been born again to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in for heaven for you, who by God's power being guarded... And so one of the things we see is that not only do I have a living hope, but my future is secure and that God's also guarding me today. He's saying because of all of this reality that you live in, this should cause you to live with joy right here, right now. You should live with joy. But I'll say this. It's hard to live with joy sometimes, isn't it? I... I we see in First Peter, we see throughout Scripture, we see, we see in Galatians, one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy, that joy is in a sense to flow out of our life. The problem is, is that life's hard. Uh, that there are moments of difficulty, there are seasons of difficulty in our life that are hard. And, there, and let's just be honest, there are times in life where it's hard to be joyful, isn't it? I don't necessarily know because here's what I, or let me say this. I know this is that as we walk in this place, I say this all the time, we walk in with just pretty smiles on our face. Everything's okay. But many of you, when you walked in here, there's things that you're walking through today. We're going to talk about trials. You're walking through a trial today. 
And so there's difficulty when you walk in here. It could be a marriage that you're experiencing. It could be in your marriage you're experiencing difficulty, and maybe there's things going on in that that's causing difficulty. It could be kids, raising kids at different stages of your life that causes grief, that causes life to be hard. Uh, Kirsch and I were talking. Some of y'all have the one up on me, and y'all have older kids, so whenever I get to that point, y'all can give me advice and wisdom of maybe what you did wrong, and you can kind of fill me in on how I need to parent my kids. But one of the things is that, Curse and I talk about is that having little ones is hard. Um, it's just a hard stage. Um, with a little two-year-old and a little five-month-old, it's just, it just gets difficult sometimes. Uh, right now, currently, knock on wood, uh, Chapel sleeps all night, which is, he's a champ. Thankful for that guy. I mean, he just sleeps all night. Piper, on the other hand, does not do that right now. It's like she's reverted back. I don't know what it is. And she's been waking up, I don't know, maybe the past month or two, she's been waking up about three or four times a night. But here's the problem. All day she wants Kirsten. But in the middle of the night, there's only one person that she wants, <laughs> and that's me. In the, when she wakes up, she does not want Mama. She does not want Mama to come in there. She only wants Dad. And I'm like, this is awful. <laughs> this is awful. I mean, why? why does... And I'm like, Kirsten, you need to get, and she's like, she wants you. I'm like, so anyway, she goes back and forth and I get up multiple times with her the night. And that's what sometimes Kirsten and I will talk about in the morning of just like, I'm just tired. And this is just, it's just hard sometimes. And sometimes, you know, you want to say, oh, you know, just live in the moment and be joyful in the moment. And sometimes that's hard to do that. It's hard to be joyful in the moments. But kind of on a more serious note, so it may not be. It could be older kids that you're dealing with that you're having difficulty with. It could be uh, sickness in your life, or maybe someone close to you. It could be a, a death, or someone just passing in your life. Uh, seems like in life it just kind of goes in waves. That there are moments, but most likely there are seasons. They're hard. Uh, that grief, that things happen in our life, and one of the things that's hard, I think, for many of us, is we look at life is. How do we have joy in, in the midst of those things? I, let me say this. I, I want to have joy in the midst of those things. That, that no matter what seasons happen in my life, that I want to be constant. I, I want joy to come out of me. I, I want joy to, to be a part of my life. I want to live in joy. But sometimes it's just hard because of life. And so one of my questions is, is kind of I posed at the very beginning, is are you joyful? For us to even examine our life, how, how in the world... Can we live life joyful even in the midst of difficult circumstances? Because just remember, I'm going to probably refer to this a bunch. Remember Peter's writing to people who are being killed, martyred for their faith. These are people that they wake up the next day they may not know that this is their last day. These are hurting people. And God's, and Peter's writing, God's writing through Peter to them to remind them that you can have joy even in the midst of all of these things. Now I would say this. I want to know the secret to that. And I want to know how in the world can I live joyful now and tomorrow no matter what it brings in my life or the seasons that happen in my life. So here's what I want to do with the last is I want to look at the, the remaining verses and I want to kind of package it this way. What are some things that we need to be reminded of in order to live in joy today? To live in joy tomorrow, to live in joy throughout difficult circumstances of my life in your life. And so what Peter does in the reigning verses is he gives us several things and says, remember these things. Remember these things in order so that you can live in joy today. So I want to give you these two things and we'll walk through each one. Number one is this, is to remember this truth that there is purpose 
in your pain. Number one is that there is purpose in your pain. Life is painful. There's hurts, there's grief, there's things that we walk through. But one of the awesome things that we see that's to give us joy is that God is able to have a purpose even in the midst of our pain. That He's able able to bring about goodness for His glory and our good even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of difficult moments in our life, that there is purpose within our pain. Look what he says in verse 6. He says, in this you rejoice, and then he moves on to say this, though for a little while, if necessary... You have been grieved by various trials. Now, when he says this, uh, that though for a little while, kind of meaning you could translate this, he literally means season. That literally you're walking through a season right now that's being very difficult. He said, if necessary, meaning this, is that sometimes God causes us to walk through difficult things in our life for a purpose. And he's about to get to that. And he says this, that you have been grieved by various trials. Now, this word grieved here, you can translate it different ways. You can translate it to be anguished, to be disappointed, uh, to be distressed, to have anxiety, uh, to mourn. Uh, Let me insert this side note in and then I'll, I'll get back. But to remember this is that as we live in joy, we're not dismissing the grief that we experience. I think that's one of the things that sometimes we have this, I don't know, this view of that joy is this, I'm always smiling, everything's always good, and I never feel sad ever in my life. That's not joy. One of the things you see, there's this realness to the side of joy that even in the midst of grief, even in the midst of disappointment, even in the midst of difficult moments, in the midst of distress, in the midst of these emotions that are real that we face, he says, even in the midst of these emotions, you can still experience joy. I think that's you know one of the things that you see about uh, David, and we looked at David a lot last summer as we looked through the Psalms. David does this a lot. David talks a lot about how he feels. Uh, I mean, you just read through the Psalms, and I mean, this guy was on the run a lot. People were trying to kill him a lot. And he was very open when he, when he wrote his Psalms, as he wrote these, inspired by God. He was, I mean, he was real. That's one of the things I think we connect with Psalms so much is because how real he is. He's crying out, says, God, I feel, I feel like you left me. I feel like you abandoned me. I feel hurt. I feel disappointed. I feel all alone. I, I feel all these things. But here's what I love what David does constantly in his Psalms and, and the other writer of Psalms is there's always this circle back that even though I feel this, I know the truth is that you're still with me. The truth is that you're still good. The truth is that you're steadfast and the truth is that you're never going to leave me and that you're somehow going to cause good out of what I'm walking through. That's this constant thing. And so let me just say this as it says that you've been grieved by various trials. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to feel disappointed. It's okay to have these emotions. But here's the one of the things that you see that joy is that joy comes in even in the midst of these feelings and then begins to invade our life that we can live our life full of joy. He says this, that you've been grieved and then he says by various trials. Now, trials can be uh, translated a lot of different ways. Um, Most likely, how we would translate it would probably be most likely test, uh, that there are trials and tests within our life. Now, one of the things that we seem to sense here, which is hard sometimes, is that most likely God is the one that's causing these things to happen, or or, let me say this, allowing these things to happen in our life. Uh, let me say this, and I think this is difficult. I don't need to spend too much time on this point, but I think sometimes we have a misconception in our life that bad equals Satan, 
good equals God. Uh, Meaning this, that if I experience anything bad in my life, we immediately contribute it to Satan. If we experience anything good in life, we experience it immediately to God. Let me just give you an example. If you were to win the lottery, we would most likely say, praise Jesus, we won the lottery. What if that was Satan putting things in your life to temptation, vices in your life, what may seem like a good thing, actually Satan could allow that to happen in your life in order to distract you from God. Isn't that crazy how that could happen? But it's similar to this, and here's what I love about God, is that God is even in the midst of difficult moments. One of the best examples is Job. Now obviously you see Satan went in and began to really destroy Job's life. But he did it by permission of God. That God says, I'm going to allow you to do this Basically for two reasons, and we'll see it in a second. One of the reasons is I want you to show, he wanted to show Satan, this guy's going to still believe in me no matter what you do to him. That his faith in me is stronger than the things that are in his life. And in a sense what he's trying to do is show forth his glory. And so one of the things that you see is these various trials, and I love, I love this idea, is that no matter what we face in our life, whether it's God walking us through a test, whether it's Satan, whether it's something meant for evil in our life, no matter who the author of difficulties in our life is, God is able to use it for a specific purpose. God uses it powerfully in our life for His glory and our good, meaning this, and look at the next part. Look at verse 7. He says, Even though you've been grieved by various trials, know this, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, though it perishes tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is the reason and what God's up to, God has a purpose even in the midst of our pain. Why? Is because he's refining us. He's refining our faith. He's doing something even in the midst of difficulties in our life. He compares it to the process of gold. That usually when you find gold out in nature, it's usually not in its purest form, what do you have to do? You have to get the impurities out. You have to, what? Burn it. And you have to burn it hot in order to remove the impurities that are in the gold. And he says, here's what God uses. God uses all the difficulties, the the, the difficult seasons. He uses these in our life to produce about our good, to produce about our faith, to refine our faith. And here's the goal of our faith is so that our faith would be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm probably going to get to this in a second, but this just came to my mind. Isn't it awesome? No matter what we walk through, God's able to use it for His good and our glory. Or, excuse me, His glory and our good. That God has a purpose, even in the things that are difficult and hard in our life. I'll never forget several years ago, um, my dad ran for district attorney. I remember we were at the beach, and uh, he was wrestling with, uh, we were all, my family was all at the beach, and he was wrestling with, found out that the guy whose idea was retiring. And he prayed through it a lot, and one of the things that my dad as praying through, really felt that the Lord was leading him to run in the election for the district attorney. And he, he, I mean, as he prayed, as he sought the Lord, he really knew that the Lord, is this is something God was calling him to do, even though there was some in our life and even in his life knowing what that means when you run a campaign and run an election, 
that knowing that God had called him to this. Well, we did the election, and it was hard. Uh, there was a lot of things. I'm thankful my dad ran a, a wonderful, godly race. Uh, that doesn't mean everyone ran that kind of race. And there was a lot of things. I remember, I don't know if you've ever had you or someone, your loved one, that you've had to run in a campaign is hard because people start saying things about that person that you love that aren't true. It gets really be dirty. It was just a long, when it got to the end, we were ready for it to be over. I'll never forget the morning of the election. We, it was Caroline, my mom and dad and I, we got, we gathered, I remember in their bedroom and we were praying and just praying for the day, knowing that today's the election, knowing that all the hard work, all that thing. And so we were praying. And one of the things that dad shared with us that morning, he says he'd gotten up really early to pray. And he says, here's what I really felt the Lord say to me as I was praying this morning is this, that today, David, you have won a great victory. Well, that's encouraging. Awesome. I mean, I remember he shared that with us, and obviously we're like smiles, like, awesome. We don't even have to try today. God said today he has given us a great victory. So we pray, thank God for the victory. We go in, we says, all right, we got a lot of work to do. We immediately go and vote, and then we go and campaign all over the parishes. Well, that night as we gather together for our watch party and as the end of the night rolls on and as the elections come out, my dad was not victorious. And I remember going home that night and it was hard. Uh, I think it was so hard for me is that I just, I saw my dad and I loved my dad and I loved his work and all the things he put into it and just to see him disappointed hurt hard. I mean, it hurt me really bad. Fast forward a little time after that, I remember I was talking with dad one day and we were chatting about just the election and just kind of looking back on everything. And, and I said, you know, dad, how you feeling? I mean, what, what's the sense that you're feeling after this election? And he says, James, I remember I wrestled with for a pretty good while of did I hear God right? Because I, 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 he said pr- very clearly that morning, I, I felt the Lord say that today you've won a great victory, but I lost and so for a long time, I said, I remember going in, in prayer and, and spent many hours in prayer praying. It says, God, did I not hear you right? God, did I do something wrong? God, what happened? And here's one of the things that he says, James, I have complete peace about what happened and everything that happened, everything that transpired because of this, because God gave me an answer. He says, as I prayed and sought after the Lord, God says, today and that day you did win a great victory. It just wasn't the election. He said, there was a victory that took place in your life, that took place in your faith, that I took you into even deeper levels of faith because you trusted me no matter the regardless of the outcome. He said, and one of the things that I, and, and I, I sense it even now in my dad, dad is a completely different person from the time he ran the election. Why? Because God used it in his life to refine him. And here's what he, in a sense, saying is that even in the midst of defeat, God was working out victory. That even in the midst of getting a defeat, God says, yet there's still victory in your life and I'm causing victory in your life. That just doesn't make sense, does it? How in the world can there be victory when there's defeat? It's the same thing that we celebrate in Easter. When you look at the cross, the cross has a huge defeat over it. I mean, think about it. I mean, I know we know the story and so we know what, what the outcome is, but think about the people there. The Pharisees, we won. Satan, we won. The disciples, we lost. I mean, think about it. Many of them, you read the accounts. Peter actually went back to fishing. I'm hanging this thing up. But here's what's crazy, and here's what I love that God does. That even, and we're saying it, even in the ashes of defeat, God was bringing about a victory. That even in the midst of the cross, even in the midst of of the defeat of the cross, 
Three days later, victory was on its way. How in the world God does it, I have no clue. How he's able to use defeat and cause about victory in our life, I don't know. I just know he does it. It's similar to this whole point Peter's trying to say. There is purpose in your pain. There is purpose in the circumstances you walk through. It's not for nothing. God's doing something. God's do- Even in the midst of disappointment, even in the midst of defeat in your own life, God is up to something. God is doing something. God has not left you. God has not abandoned you. God is working for his glory and your good right now in the midst of these circumstances. Here's what Peter's saying. Because of that truth, today you can rejoice. You can have joy right now. Even in the midst of your pain, even in the midst of your struggle, even in the midst of your grief. Today you can have joy because God is up to something. God is doing something. God is able to bring about victory even in your defeat. That's what the cross and resurrection is all about. That even in the midst of defeat, God is able to cause about victory. So look, I hope, I don't know what you're walking through today. But today, my prayer is for my life and your life that you and I would rejoice today no matter what we walk through. Because God has a purpose even in the midst of our difficult seasons in our life. Secondly, is this, is that we need to remember that there's power in His presence. Number two, there's power in His presence. So not only is there purpose in our pain, but secondly, is that there is power in His presence. The only place where we can truly find joy that feels and even diminishes all the things in our life, the only source, the only location, the only place that we can find true and lasting joy is in the presence of our Jesus He is the only place that we can run to that can be able to give us this source of joy. Look what he says in verse 8. Peter says this, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and you rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Now, we know who's writing. This is Peter. And Peter has seen Jesus. Uh, We know that. Jesus, uh, Peter has most likely hugged Jesus. He's probably, I don't, let's assume this, he's probably high-fived Jesus. He probably shook his hand. He had meals with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He saw Jesus before the cross and before the resurrection, and Peter also saw him after the resurrection, that he was with and talked with the resurrected Jesus. Now, one of the things that Peter's writing to is that even though Peter has experienced all of these things, he's writing to the people he's writing to and says, but yet you haven't experienced any of this. You've never personally in the flesh seen Jesus. But he says, here's what's crazy and here's what's awesome is that even though you haven't seen him in the flesh, you still love him just the way that I do. This word for love is the word agape. It's the biggest and most profound love that there is. And he says that even though you don't see him, you still experience His presence and therefore you still love Him the same way that I love Him. And then he moves forward he says this, though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him. So he repeats it again. Today you still don't see Jesus in the flesh. He says, but you still believe in Him. Now this word believe, we've looked at this word before when we looked at the book of James. But basically this is not just mental assent that you believe something in your mind. This is something more profound. This is something that causes to action. I can say this way or translate it this way, most likely trust. 
that you're willing, because you believe in Him, you're willing to step out in faith, you're willing to trust Him, you're willing to obey Him. And He's making all of this, in a sense, to say this, that though you haven't seen Him, you still have fellowship with Him. Think, think about this. It, any good relationship has to be founded on love and trust, right? I mean, we can go friendship, we can go marriage, the most intimate of all relationships. You cannot have a good marriage if love and trust don't exist. It's similar to this whole idea that he's speaking of here in Jesus. Basically what he's saying is, though you haven't seen him in the flesh, you still experience his presence. You still know him. The Holy Spirit is now here. here, And so you get to experience the presence of Jesus and you have fellowship with him. You love him. You trust him. You obey him. You sit with him. You have uh, fellowship with Jesus. And that's in a sense what he's trying to say. Peter's in a sense saying this, that there's this direct correlation with the amount of joy you experience and the amount of time you spend in His presence. That there's this direct correlation with joy and the presence of God. One of my favorite verses in uh, Psalms is Psalm 1611. And David says this, You have made known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Notice what David says in this passage. He says that in your presence is fullness of joy. There is only one place where you can experience the fullness of joy in your life, and it's only in the presence of Jesus. It's in His presence that you experience joy. That's why since there is power within His presence, the power to live with joy only comes from being in His presence. It's this direct correlation I could say this in our own life. We could examine our own life. The amount of joy you experience is directly correlated to the amount of time you're spending in His presence. I know this in my own life. Uh, There are days when I really feel uh, incense joy in my life. There are moments and times where I don't. And here's just to be honest with you. Every moment in my life or seasons or days where I don't feel like I'm walking in joy, I can usually pinpoint in my life that I'm not spending adequate time in the presence of God. There's this direct correlation all throughout Scripture with experiencing joy and also being in His presence. Meaning this, that if we're not being in His presence or spending time in His presence, it's going to be hard to really live in the fullness of joy because fullness of joy is only found in His presence in the person of Jesus Christ, in fellowship with Him, in reading His Word, in praying, in in being with Him. Uh, In my Bible reading that we've been doing, uh, recently read, uh, reading about David, and as you read about David, one of the accounts of David is when he's going off to war and when he comes back, all of the wives and all the children of the men have been captured and been taken. As they're taken, uh, one of the things it says is there's this huge commotion that takes place and it says they, all the men basically want to stone David. And I love what the line says right after this. David could have done a lot of things in that moment. But I love what it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. And then next he goes in and he rescues all the women and children. There's this correlation between strength and power comes from and the joy and the power to live in this joy comes by being in his presence. Let me pose a question to you. I ask first, do you... Are you joyful? Are you experiencing joy in your life today? Let me ask a different question. 
Are you, on a consistent basis, spending time in the presence of God? Because that's where joy is found. In the presence of Jesus. Whether spending time daily in His Word, prayer. I don't know about you, there's sometimes in my life where I get so overwhelmed that I, I, I literally, it could be in my truck, it could be in my office, it could be in my house, I could walk outside, I could go on a run. It literally, I'll just say, you know what, God, I don't even know what to pray right now. Holy Spirit, I have no clue what to say. All I know is I need you. And I need you to, I need you to, to help me. Because I don't know, I'm overwhelmed by things in my life. I don't have it all together, and there's things that are all out of place. And all I know is I need your presence. I don't know if you've ever gotten to those places in your life where you're saying, you know what? I just need to get alone with God. Why? Because there is power in His presence. It's one of these things that I'm reminded of, and I was convicted even as I studied this passage. It's not just joy. It's anything in our life. The power to live this Christian life comes from being in His presence. That's my prayer every Sunday. Shane and Alan and Brandon, we always talk about our Sunday service. Of anything, if, if God came down and says, James, I'll give you one wish about your service. You can ask any, literally anything, and I'll give it to you. And you have no clue. I mean, you know it's going to happen. I would ask this, that your presence would always be here. I wouldn't ask for people. I wouldn't ask for more programs. I would ask for His presence. Why? Because there is power in His presence. That's my prayer every Sunday as we come in here. I want people to experience the presence of God. Why? Because in the presence of Jesus, fear leaves. All the, all the struggle and all the things that we have in our lives, for some reason, every time when I get in the midst of His presence, it's like everything else fades away and I'm reminded of what truly matters. I'm reminded where my hope is. I'm reminding that I can take joy today even if I don't feel like it. I'm reminded of all these things and where does it come from? It comes from His presence. That there is amazing and great power in His presence as Peter is saying, it all comes because you love and you trust Him. You're in His presence. My prayer today, as we think about our lives and all the things that are going on, my prayer is that you and I would live with joy today. For some of you, joy today may be easy because life is going exactly the way you want it. And for you, I say, awesome. But I'll also say this, just remember that tomorrow may not be like that. I have to remind myself, even in seasons of good times, I'm like, you know, life's seasonal. Just because things are going good today does not mean they'll go good tomorrow. But even if you're here today and you're walking through difficult moments in your life right now, not only can you have hope today, but you can have joy. You can have joy today. Let me pray.